On today's podcast titled, Shadows of Success, Birth a Spiritual Awakening, my guest and friend, Katie Pell with Ask Katie P, shares her experience in corporate America as a pharmaceutical rep in the cancer world. Learn how drugs are tested and brought to the marketplace and how Katie walked away from it all and shifted gears into an intuitive transformational life coach. And as always, I'll provide an Akashic Record reading for Katie, as well as share with you, my beloved listeners, an unexpected intuitive hit come true regarding a TV reality celebrity. Stay tuned. Welcome to In the Woo World, where we boldly go where others are afraid to look and equally as scared to question. Come along as we explore all things woo-woo, taboo, and real cool. A word of woo, all subject matter is subjected to all things practical, supernatural, stranger than fiction, and magical. Basically, all things strange and way out there woo. I am your host, Wendy Woo. Katie Pell was a die-hard, ladder-climbing, corporate-conquering, acclaimed sales professional. She spent 20-plus years crafting the so-called perfect job, life, and surroundings, until she realized it left her unfulfilled. After walking away from it all, she forged a new path, one aligned with her true essence and inner voice. Today, she is a recovering perfectionist and certified intuitive life transformational coach, guiding others who want to face their fears, seize opportunity, and get unstuck. She lives with her two greatest teachers, her daughters. They can be found regularly walking the beach, searching for shark's teeth, and telling stories. As Katie P. says, make the change or the change will make you. I'm so excited um, that we're meeting because there's so much going on with the, I guess we need to call it the jab. Yeah. Jab juice, stuff like that. And you've had this, how many years were you in the pharmaceutical company? I was behind the curtain. I like to, I've been calling it behind the curtain. There's so much behind the curtain. Um, 20 years, about 20 years. Oh my God. One company, almost 14 years. So that's a long time with one big biotech company. I won't name names, but. Right, right. When that I is- first started in industry, we could do preceptorships, which is really cool. So the first area that I was in was in cardiology sales. And um, we could actually follow cardiologists into the cath lab while they were doing their operations and witness and be witness watch. It was and then we could do we could follow providers around for the day. We had to sign waivers and so did the patients and whatnot, but it was it was cool. As I spent my years, especially once I jumped into oncology, I was in oncology and cancer care for 14 years. And um, we used to be able for years and years and years and years and years, we could sit into what's called tumor boards where they bring cases. And each week um, I cover, covered academic institutions, which is like a specialty sales rep position because dealing with an academic institution and how a hospital academia works this is where clinical studies are happen how they happen, how hospital systems make big decisions based on how they're going to treat their patients, how they're reimbursed, what clinical studies um, they do or don't do, what it, how a drug gets or doesn't get approved, what that process looks like. And so there's a special sales force. A lot of companies have them that specify in only academia. And so I did that for a long time as well and launched, I don't know, 12 drugs for our company, which means 12 new drugs came to market. And one of the things I had to do was figure out how to make that happen in academia because the key opinion leaders are often housed within these academic institutions. And so to create partnerships and a great deal of trust and open communication with them then helps to ensure that those key opinion leaders then have a discussion out into the community 
so that your drug is something that, you know, they knew the good and the bad. Now, to, to, to my old company's credit, being fair and balanced was something that we always talked about. You know, I know a lot of people, <clears throat> there's some ugly things that happen, but there's some really beautiful things that happen. There's a ton of patient assistance <clears throat> that, that a lot of people don't realize, especially in oncology or cancer care, where people can get help paying for their meds and they simply don't know because there's not enough people to help get the message out. And then there's other things just like there's great, there's great care and a lot of strides that are being made and fair and balanced. My old company, we talked like we had to say, this is the good and this is the bad because in oncology specifically, you have to think about does the risk outweigh, does the benefit outweigh the risk? So they really oncologists specifically cancer care doctors are always uh, thinking about benefit of drug versus risk of drug and what does my patient require because every patient is different but as medicine begins to streamline so do things called pathways or the way in which we treat our patients and we start to lose individuality and that brings us straight into what how I think COVID was handled in the hospital situation and how we were told to, uh, or not we, but hospitals were told you have to give this particular medication as a pathway or what we consider a model of success. And it just did not work well with a lot of patients. Okay. Yeah. So that was one of my questions because, um, so basically what you're saying is that they have a protocol of pathway because I think of all the side effects, like I think of something that's a side effect, but that's they're a risk more. benefit ratio. Yes, that's exactly okay. So they're what that is. okay. So they're looking more at it doing more benefit and over looking at the harm that it could. Well, lead. it depends because there's the nasty side of things come into play. Um, so let's just take pharmaceutical companies out of it, and let's just talk about protocols that happen. Protocols happen between people and they often happen at a very high, high, high level. Um, oftentimes the government reimburses things called Medicare and Medicaid. And those are payments that, that hospital and healthcare systems receive. And they depend on that for a great deal of their revenue, right? There are some hospitals that get something called a, a, a specific designation because they only take care of a big patient population of what's called indigent patients or they don't have any insurance, right? And so yeah. the government gives those particular institutions a break on the cost of healthcare and medicine because they know that most of the patients coming there are under or uninsured. And so that's a specific designation that these particular institutions are given. They have to apply for it. They have to prove it. And then the hospital grants it to them and then in turn provides them with drugs and such at a discounted care. All the pharmaceutical industry has to give those particular institutions across the nation special pricing, often at least half the cost that a regular uh, provider would pay. And so, um, so what happens is, is when you're getting reimbursed and things are happening at a much higher level from dicta a dictative standpoint, um, what, I, what I saw happening was that the government said, for example, um, for example, when we talk about the healthcare uh, uh, workers, frontline workers that were, you know, touted as heroes for such a long time. And then the next thing you know, they were being forced to, to get the jab. And if they didn't get the jab, then they lost their job. And, you know, so that so then the answer was we're not making them. But if they don't, then they don't have anything. Right. And so 
the way they said the way that they the way that the government enforced that was and said hospital if you don't force your employees if you don't have this percentage of compliance which is something close to 99% compliance meaning everyone has done what we said they should do then we are not going to reimburse you in the medicare and the medicaid space so we won't give you your money that you're supposed to get paid so what happens is is I'm a Medicare or a Medicaid patient that comes uh-huh. in that's my insurance. I get services. I pay a tiny percent of it. And because I'm covered by Medicare or Medicaid, then the government picks up the difference and then in turn sends the check to the hospital. So hospitals and institutions and clinics depend on a big chunk of their revenue to come back from the government because these people are insured by the government. What the government then said was, hey, if you don't make your people do what we say, i.e. the Jabberoonie, then we are not going to give you your Medicare Medicaid payments. That's how all that went down. That's how all these healthcare workers were forced um, to, wow. have to do what they were told. So those are the little, little, uh, that's why, that's the why behind all that. And I, I know that that happened specifically now because I have friends who are in the industry who are healthcare workers who have waited some to the very last moment because they did they didn't want to be told what to do. It's not that they supported or didn't support it. It was just for their own personal reason reasons they were choosing to wait or whatever. And their the answer was, well, you must because we're not going to get reimbursed if you don't. Basically, yeah. So it's all money. It just really comes down to the bottom line of it being them getting the hospitals getting their money. It's, it's sad too, because let's say I'm the CEO of the hospital, it, whether regardless of what I believe, it's my job to keep the hospital afloat. And oftentimes the revenue, the, the private pay sector, which is Humana, Aetna, Blue Cross Blue Shield, that's a private insurance versus yes. a government insur- insurance is Medicare, Medicaid. Oftentimes the ratio of income coming in from private sector what we consider regular insurance versus Medicare, Medicaid, which is government insurance, the ratio is much heavier on the government side. So if I'm the CEO, CFO sitting at at a hospital and it's my job to keep this hospital afloat so that I can take care of patients and all of a sudden I'm looking over here and and what I'm being told is if I don't have compliance, then, you know, 70% of my incoming revenue is gone. Do I really have a choice? Right. That's horrific. Yeah, it is. That's why DeSantis started uh, pushing back. You know, here in the state of Florida, we have a governor who's like, that's coercion. It's unconstitutional. And I say no. And so there are a ton of lawsuits now across the country from from states and other places that are pushing back against these mandates that are saying these are unconstitutional. You cannot coerce people into to, to submitting to this. It's unlawful. We live in America. We have yes. constitutional rights. We do. And we should be able to stand in our personal sovereignty mm-hmm. and say no. And what what's jumping out at me now is like, I, I read an article yesterday. I think it was in the Washington Post or New York Post. I can't re- recall. But they're basically saying that they're not going to know the full on data for another 75 years. Well, here's the deal. In the FDA, in the process of, so I launched 12 drugs. And so what that means is, is 
you know, as a drug is coming to market, it is studied. You have phase one, phase two studies that really are just looking at the safety of a drug. Are people living when they take the drug? Because you study it in animals or in a Petri dish or in vitro or whatever. And then you begin to bring it to market. And all this stuff, by the way, you have to pay some ungodly amount to the FDA just to just to say, this is our application fee of millions of dollars. Will you let us study the drug? And then the FDO says, thank you for the money. Now you can study the drug. And so then they do, they create studies either across the world globally or in the United States. And they begin what's called phase one and phase two studies. And that's just to see, do people live or die when they take the drug? And it's usually a small sample. And usually what happens specific to cancer patients or high risk patients, it's they are at the end of their line. But let's say I have a drug for skin cancer and skin cancer is a super, it can be very aggressive form of cancer. And a lot of those patients, you know, once they go from diagnosis to end stage disease where they're, they don't have a lot of time left, it can be super swift a year or less or so. And so patients are desperate oftentimes to be like, oh my gosh, you have a new treatment. that's a potential, you know, can give me X months to live. I want to sign up. I'm not ready to go yet. And so they may say, okay, this is a phase one or phase two trial. We're going to look at 50 people and see what happens. You know, did it prolong them or what, it, what are our outcomes data? Is it safe? Is it effective as we think it may be? Does it work in this patient population? Can they tolerate it? And it's just basic things like that. And then they move on to phase two and then phase three. And then typically when you get to phase three, you open it up to general population. And then you start getting really specific about what you want the outcome to be. Do you want to live longer? Do you want to avoid hospitalizations? Do you want to have a low side effect profile? Do you want to just it really depends on what you're looking for in this particular drug? The chat that the, the, Concern that I always had with these particular um, drugs that have rolled out most recently, if you know what I mean, is that they came out within a year. And so I was like, I come from this world where most things take five years. That's a fast track drug. A few years ago, the FDA allowed fast tracking of drugs for a place that's called an unmet need, meaning we've got an unmet need. You guys have a drug that looks like it's pretty safe. You've got five years of data, bam, bring it to market. You look good. Your profile looks good. That's fast. Okay. Some drugs typically seven, 10, 15, most vaccine trials, 10 years. Okay. 10, 10. That means we're looking at outcomes data safety. We're following these patients for 10 years from the initial, I got the drug to it's 10 years later. What does my life look like? What does my body look like? What is, what are the outcomes? My concern, having lived in this world of launching drugs and looking at FDA trials and clinical and trials was one year, one year. We got one, we don't even know, we know nothing after one year. And I used to always say, hey, does anybody remember thalidomide babies? You remember thalidomide? They gave it to pregnant women for nausea, okay? Hey, take this, it'll be fine. And then when the babies were born, they had missing limbs and all kinds of stuff. And that happened for a couple of years before they finally shut thalidomide down and, and, and gave it a warning against no pregnant women must use this. That drug, however, is still used, thalidomide. It is called Revlimid and is used in the multiple myeloma world. However, I will tell you that it comes with what's called a black box warning. And what that means is that every 30 days, the manufacturer and the doctor's offices and the patients have to review 
how is the patient doing every 30 days with that black box warning? And you cannot get pregnant or be conceiving or anything like that. So drugs get moved around in how they're used all the time. They get different indications because they, well, it's not good for nausea in pregnant women, but it's great in the multiple myeloma space for people who have that type of blood cancer. Right. So would you foresee that um, even though this was fast-tracked and it came out within a year, um, obviously we haven't seen how it's affecting any of the fetuses or the babies that that are coming out. Is a pregnant woman, does she even have her baby full term? You know, there have been reports of myocarditis in young men. That's a common occurrence from the CDC. It's a reported outcomes that we're seeing now as a result of, so drugs can be in clinical trial, but it's so controlled. It's, we used to say, you know, that's a controlled clinical trial. What does it look like in the real world? when people are living and moving and eating and drinking and sleeping and living, right? Not in a tiny little controlled trial where, you know, that subset of people, you know, basically do all the things the doctor says the whole entire time they're in basically in the clinical trial. And so what we're seeing now are things like myocarditis in in young men specifically. That's a concern because myocarditis does not go away. You live with it the rest of your life. You live with it. It's like, okay, which is worse getting COVID and, and recovering from it or having to get the, um, the uh, concoction and then having to deal with a lifelong heart issue. Right. And we don't know the ratios, right? That's the, that's the, that's the deal. Um, that's the concern. There's not enough long-term data for us to have our arms around what happens. And I think the other thing that Florida did really well and Governor DeSantis was, is open up the um, availability of alternate treatments, right? So monoclonal antibodies are a fantastic um, uh, treatment, right? Ivermectin for some people, a fantastic treatment, a combination of those two, you know, uh, other treatments that are available. I think that, you know, instead of just pushing, there's only one option to combat this you know, this virus that's sweeping the globe, we have multiple. So, you know, you can choose this concoction that you're going to stick in your arm or, hey, we've got these other things that also work very, very well. You know, in the concoction, the out, the clinical trials didn't even, they didn't talk about um, transmission. You're going to get it one way or the other. It wasn't even, no one ever said, if you take this, you are safe from getting it or, 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 or giving it. That wasn't studied or looked at ever. Right. In they're just, clinical trial. Right. They're just not finding it out. That's why, that's why when everyone. Well, no, they knew it. It's the public's okay. just finding it out because now the public will are like, Hey, I did, I did the thing and now I'm getting it anyway. Right. Cause no study ever looked at that. That's just was like, Oh, we forgot to mention that, that the only thing it looked at was a reduction. The clinical trials only looked at, there is a reduction in hospitalization and symptoms. So your symptoms won't be as bad and you might not go in the hospital. That's it. That's right. all the clinical trials were powered to. Oh my goodness. So yeah, I mean, I know uh, my husband took the monoclonal. He mm-hmm. was very, he was very ill and, mm-hmm. um, and but he, his, uh, his high fever was gone within uh, 24 hours. Yes. A lot of people who have had a lot of success with the monoclonal antibodies. Yeah. And there are about, I think, three available right now. Monoclonal yeah. antibodies have been used in the cancer space for a long time. 
they're not having some of these treatments allowed in some of these hospitals. That is, that is correct. That is correct. Mm-hmm. So who was state, your governor It has a lot to do with it too, right? So Florida's governor has been very vocal about allowing alternate <clears throat> alternate treatments and opening up the monoclonal sites. DeSantis has spoken loudly and clearly about that from day one and their availability. Yes. Yes. And so, but there are other places. I mean, New York State is shut down. You can't go anywhere without a vaccine card, whereas Florida's like, what? Right. Come on, come on. I think we have one of the lowest, we have the lowest rate of COVID in the entire United States right now. Yeah, and we do. And I'm going to make a point here. I'm glad you said that because the monoclonal clinics were, were opening up. So the monoclonal clinic in my area opened up the week my husband had COVID, okay? Mm-hmm. And uh, they they opened up and I took him there. They said, we don't have the medicine yet. So I had to drive him to a neighboring um, city the same day to get the treatment. And then they were there, right? So so I'm noticing now when I'm driving my son to school where the monoclonal uh, clinic was, and I'm saying was, mm-hmm. because it was only there, it was only there from September, October, gone in November. And I live in Florida and, and people are still running around. You know, some people are, are, are very cautious with their masks and everything, but it's not there anymore. They, yeah, they remove the clinic. The need is not there now. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, right. The need is not as great. Uh, the, I think we have the lowest rate in the country here in Florida and the, even with the new variants. And the other thing too, is that Wendy is, as I said before, monoclonal antibodies are, have been used in the world of cancer care for a long time. So you can go to a cancer clinic uh, most likely at this point and get your monoclonal antibody infusion. It's good. That's good to know. See, I didn't, I would, I would think that's, that's typically how we did it on that side all the time. If you had to get some kind of infused drug, uh, they would partner with the the cancer clinics and you could go there and get that. Right. For other sources of treatment too. Yeah. So, so I'm going to, I'm going to kind of like go back a little bit and ask a question because you are making references to indigent people who don't really have the insurance and then those who do. And so do you feel that they start with these studies? Do they start with people who don't have the insurance? No, not necessarily. No. Okay. With these and, studies. and I would, I don't know about all different drugs and all different modalities and all different, um, you know, types of patients, but I do know in the cancer world, it's, it's based on typically need someone who worked in an office in a cancer clinic would call me, like say the rep for my company and be like, do you guys have any trials? I have a patient at end stage renal cancer, kidney cancer. Let's I'm guess I'm just making something totally up. Right. None of this really happened, but I'm making it up. Okay. Um, do you have uh, a, a drug trial trials on anywhere. Now as the rep, I'd be like, I can't really tell you that, but you can go online and clinicaltrials.gov. Anybody who's listening, feel free to go there. If you're looking for clinical trials and you can find clinical trials anywhere. And that's typically how it would happen. If you have someone in the, typically in the cancer world who wants to get on trial, they are usually driven by the fact of, as I said before, that they're at end stage and this is in the beginning of trials and they just don't want to die. Like they're like, I don't want to go. What else you got? Right. And so they have to have particular qualifiers for that particular clinical trial. You know, let's say you have lung cancer, but I only have a, clin- a kidney cancer trial. And if I have the kidney cancer trial, I'm looking for you to this to be a recurrence, like your cancers come back. So there's 
parameters that you have to like boxes you have to check until you qualify. But no, they don't just go around getting all the sick poor people and fling them in a trial. Absolutely does not happen like that. Okay. Well, that's, that's, that's better to hear. That's good. <laughs> it does not happen. It's, it, they don't just steal people off the street and stick them in a trial. Now that I know of, I don't know, maybe in some like storyline somewhere they did, but that, that, that I ever experienced in 20 years, I never came into contact with anything like that. Right. Um, well, I know that me personally, I've faced, um, for, for me, we have cancer that runs in the family, you know, Mm -hmm. it's hereditary, the breast cancer, the, um, the ovarian cancer. And, and then I ended up, you know, Hey, yay. If if anybody won a lottery, gee, isn't it great that I won that lottery? I was able to, for some reason, inherit that gene. Right. And so, and so their precaution for me is to have the double mastectomy to remove all of your BRCA positive is what you're saying. Yeah, I'm BRCA positive. I have the, I have that. And so I, my question to my doctor was, well, so I go through all these preventative prophylactic surgeries, which I know can cause other side effects of not, you know, let's, let's talk about the mind screw there for a minute, but subconsciously, I'm also telling my body I'm already sick. And I know, listen, there's probably a lot of women listening to this who have gone through and have had the prophylactic and I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not demeaning them. I know that we each have to do what we need to do when we get quiet and listen and, and, and figure out where we need to go. My question to my doctor was, well, I do these surgeries. Is that going to change my gene? Let's take a moment to address overall well-being and tools to aid in the pursuit of peace of mind. Lately, I've been biohacking my meditation practice with the InHarmony Meditation Cushion. Tech-assisted meditation utilizes sound and vibration to help reduce stress and anxiety, increase focus and mental clarity, while improving my mood, my sleep, and relieving my body aches. In Harmony introduces you to a fully immersive meditative experience utilizing vibrotactical stimulation and vibroacoustic technology. Connect with yourself and let go of stress while you optimize your overall mental health and well-being. Check the links in the show notes for more details. I love my listeners and I hope you love me too. Please consider supporting my podcast and efforts so I can continue to share valuable content with my audience. Click the listener support link in the show notes. Have a beautiful day. My question to my doctor was, well, I do these surgeries. Is that going to change my gene? No. And he, they were looked at me because they were surprised I'd even asked that. And you're right. The answer was no. And it's sort of like, okay, well, I feel that it's going to develop somewhere else in my body. So I have chosen not to go that route yet. I'm not completely shutting the door on it. I have to know when I want to say yes to something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I was fired. Wait, let's my, just make no. Oh, I'm sorry. What were you? Oh thinking? no, that's what, I was fired for my doctor. My doctor said uh, you're not. Well, you know right. why? You know why? Because you're. It was an oncologist. Were you working? I'm um, not an. No, it was my regular uh, OBGYN. Oh. Yeah, because they will do that to protect themselves because of malpractice. So. They believe strongly that um, in the in that world that the the BRCA gene is a strong precursor to either breast and or ovarian cancer. Ovarian cancer can be very silent and deadly cancer, and so the risk for that 
um, they don't want that on their hands. And so they don't want to say, we recommend you do these things. And as the patient, you are practicing what they consider to be non-compliance. And so when you do that, they are like, well, I'm washing my hands of her because I don't want to get sued. It's really sad that medicine has come to a place like that, right? Yeah. Where um, we can't make our own decisions about our bodies without getting some kind of repercussion for it, right? And so you saw that, um, and now we're seeing it in other ways. People are getting fired for their jobs for not doing a certain thing now, Right. Um, but it's, it's different, but the same. So it's really all about, um, for that particular physician, it's about liability, their perceived liability, because I think some patients have come back and sued them and people have lost their pants. And so now their way to protect is to just say, okay, then you can't be my patient anymore. If people feel like intuitively that, that, that is not the way to go, the pathway they need to like really listen to it. Um, I just don't want to really be told that I have to get something and that it's mandated, especially when it's so new. And when my intuition is saying, no, you don't need to do that right now. Let's well, just it, off. well, and even, well, your intuition is right because prior to this, nothing would have ever come to the market in one year. Would never oh. happen. Yeah. It wouldn't even come like in one year, right? No way. Yeah. They would have been like, you're crazy. No way. You don't have enough safety data. Come back in at least five or seven with your safety data. I think all of this is really, if we just um, pull it out to like a 50,000 foot view, right? Let's pretend we are the microscope and we're going to pull the view way out and look at everything. This is really just a lesson for us humanity in sovereignty and really taking a look at the the idea that we hold the power, we have the right, we get to decide. And we have gotten, in my opinion, specifically, love you America, but American people have gotten so lazy and they want everything, the decisions to be made, the things to be given. They don't, it's like nobody wants to think for themselves anymore. And then if you're one of the ones that does think for themselves and you're vocal, you get slaughtered. And it really is a, it's really a time in, in, in humanity where sovereignty and deciding things for ourselves is more important now than ever. So whether it's you as the patient who's been diagnosed with the BRCA positive, that doesn't mean anything. It just means scientifically speaking, that's what they say. But it's like saying there are plenty of people who smoke cigarettes that never die from lung cancer. There, no one can pick what is going to happen in our life for our path in our world. We pick that. And then every choice that we make has a consequence, whether good or bad, and affects our outcome. But the, the continual listening to other people and the, I say in air quotes, days about what we should do, each person as their own sovereign being has got to stop. It has got to stop. Yep. And this is a lesson that will continue to repeat itself until humanity gets it. Exactly. And I, and, and it's just not in medicine. It's in a lot of things. No, it's people, everywhere. It's everywhere. Yes. People want to be told mm -hmm. their next step. This should be your next step without really going in 
and thinking. And then if you are a free thinker, well, you know, just like what happened with Jesus, he was like a free thinker. He spoke what he needed to speak and the crowds, the narrative he wasn't upholding. And actually they thought it was dangerous what he was saying. Obviously that's why he ended up where he was because he was so dangerous Mm -hmm. by what he was saying. Mm -hmm. So it's so dangerous for us to even question again, Hey, what are we doing? Why should I do that? I don't feel it's right for me because we aren't, you know, it's like, here's your box fit into it. Right. Well, it's, it's become that, you know, it's a, it's a means of control, you know, through fear, through coercion and through all these ways that, that for thousands of years, humans have given our control up little by little, by little, by little, by little. And now, you know, it's two analogies that we, that I hear often is that there's, you know, the, the frog in the boiling pot of water and you stick him (laughs) in the water and he's chilling out. And then you turn the heat up little by little. And before he knows that he has no clue, he's thinking of taking a warm bath. And before you know it, he's cooked that and the other of crabs in a pot, everybody's down there together. And then you get one dude who's like, I'm out, man. And the other guys reach up and say, no, you're not. And they yank him back down. Right. And so it's those two, two analogies kind of coexisting together. And what we have to do is break the cycle and say, hey, 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 this this is all nonsense. I don't have to live like this anymore. I can think for myself, decide for myself and move from a place of truth. Yep. Nailed it. Yeah. When was your aha moment that you were like, oh, my gosh, I no longer vibe with this line of work. and I've got to get out. I would say that the aha, there was no aha. It was, it was a, it was a whisper that became a shout that became a scream that became, um, a, a non-choice. It was, there was no more choice, right? It, it happens slowly and quietly at first, right? For me, it did it in any way. And so I think that it, that it, it began when I, um, just sort of, culminated into this place where all of a sudden I was like, I want a divorce. My husband's like, what? I mean, listen, we didn't have a perfect marriage by any means, but we had been married, I don't know, 13, 14 years, something like that. We had two young daughters. I, it was a while before I had kids. I had them older. Um, and so it, it was, I mean, I used to have everything. I had it all. I had the job. I had the kids. I had the accomplishments. I had the trips. I had the cars. I had the money. I had the things. And then I'd go to bed at night and cry. And I would be like, this is, cannot be my life. This, I cannot, I did all the things I should, was supposed to do. I did all the shoulds. I checked all the boxes. Why am I crying when I go to sleep at night? This is, makes no sense. And it was at that point you know, I'd always, I've always been intuitive and, and I was the nine-year-old girl. I have this story I tell, it's that comes, it's clear as bell, nine years old, helping one of my friends with a problem that she was having with her mom. It was, it was about religion at the time. And we went to church every, we, we were big church, not we, but me and my other um, uh, cousins and siblings, we all went to church every Sunday and whatnot. But anyway, we were having this big discussion about it and we're, I was nine, she was nine. And uh, she was trying to navigate this this situation with her mom. Fast forward to after a couple of talks, she comes back to me. She's like, oh, my gosh, it worked out. Da, da, da. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I like help somebody. So that was like my first life coaching moment that came from this intuitive place. Right. Where I was just 
intuiting sort of how for her as a nine-year-old to navigate things. So that has been something that I've always had. And, you know, it served me well in the, in the corporate world, because when you are, when you have the ability to, to have dialogue with someone and you can sort of read their energy and understand sort of how they're feeling and then prepare for a meeting next time based on what you want, what they want you figure out how to give them what they want. And then you walk away from these meetings that are very much win-win and everybody's happy. Right. And so that's what I used to do. I used to, I used to navigate relationships with my customers in very, in exactly that same way. And not only that, while I would be in meetings, I would have other people come to me and sit down and say, so this happened blah, 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 blah. and they would just start talking about their life. Right. Totally off topic of anything I was there to do as a job. So this is something that I've done always my whole life. However, um, and I loved what I did. I was in the cancer world selling biotech and I loved, loved, loved it for a long time until just, I didn't anymore. Why? Because it all came to this culmination of there has to be more. I felt as if I wasn't helping people directly. I was helping them indirectly by helping them find a medicine that I didn't even create. Like all of a sudden it just wasn't enough for me to check boxes and to be successful based on what society said was successful. It was an emptiness in me that I went on a big search for. And that came by the dissolution of all things. I just basically unplugged from all of the grid of life. Right. Wow. Something that just popped into my head is like, you weren't, you were not able to hurt. um, You were not, you were not able to help someone within the deepest root of what their issue was. Correct. You were providing, you were, you were helping, you know, right. but it was an it, ancillary help. It wasn't a direct help. And that was no longer enough for me. Right. And so what I find to be true is when people are, when people have some type of trauma and they've held on to it for quite some time and they can't really release, release it. And they, They've been healthy their whole life. They don't have any um, hereditary issue with cancer and then they develop it. You know, it could be because of a root trauma, a root cause, a traumatic issue or a stressor on the, on the body. I often believe that my aunt died when I was nine. She got diagnosed. She was 32. I was 19. My mom and her sisters were very close and she was diagnosed with leukemia, form of leukemia and died two years later, very, very young, left two young kids. Uh, it was horribly traumatic for my entire family because, like I said, we were all very, very close. And um, I remember thinking at 19, I was in college. What did I know? And I was like, stress caused that. Later to come to find out, boy, she was really stressed in her life for a multitude of reasons. And once I jumped into the cancer world, intuitively, I would often feel with people, what's their stress? What's their stress? What's their stress? Now, I'm not a doctor. I don't claim to be one. And I know that there are a lot of people. I mean, my mom is a cancer survivor. My sister is a cancer survivor. My grandfather died of cancer. Talk about cancer in the family. Okay. I've got a ton of it too. But I, what I also think that, that I have is, is are a lot of people that hold on to a lot of things. And I really, really believe that to be true. And so in the deepest parts of myself, I suppose, maybe I realize that my job is, is, is here to help heal those things because cancer is, is really a symptom of something that's 
a soul of disease, a disease, right? Yes. And so I think our bodies react to things. And I think that's why some people can have a BRCA gene and never have cancer a day in their life because, you know, because it's, there are predispositions, but that is not, we write our own outcome with the choices that we make. And so, um, and so that is, I agree with you that, um, and I'm not saying it's anybody's fault. I don't mean it like that. I just mean it that what if there was a different way? What if, what if there was a better way of doing things? And we just don't know what it is yet. And it takes people like me and you to help people see the way. Yeah, who comes to my mind, and I saw his name today, and one reason why I got into uh, at MANA, uh, Intuitive Coaching Academy, um, was because I started listening to Dr. Joe Dispenza. Mm-hmm. And he has, you know, the blessing of the energy centers, and people are going into meditation and learning how to run and uh, run and learn more about their energetic electromagnetic field. And that's why I got into meditation and energy work was because I intuitively knew that there's something up with this field that exists before our bodies even really form. And when we can tap into this field, we can, we can learn so much about ourselves. And this is where the Akash is, you know, like the Akashic field and, we can find things and and transmute these energies. I know that d- this disease starts there and before it really hits the physical body. And I know that stress causes so much. And it's interesting that you said, well, this was stress because that, that's what popped into my head when you're talking. I was thinking, well, it's uh, so many people hold on to stress and anxiety. And then, you know, like, there's certain things that I don't use. Like I don't use a microwave oven ever. I feel like it changes the food in a short, like on a monect, it changes. Molecular. Yeah. Molecular. <laughs> <laughs> it changes at a molecular level. So. so I don't, I would love, and they, they don't really do this in the cancer world yet necessarily. They're getting better about sort of marrying holistic with Western meds, but I would love to do a study. Every single cancer person that comes in, what's your big stressor? Because because I think everybody who comes in has this thing, right? And I think that, you know, one of the things that I talked about um, when I was going through my certification process was one of the ahas I had was, you know, we think that all the power is in the control, right? So humans are like, I have control of this, 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 and this. And I'm stressing myself to death over the things I don't have control over. And so I'm so stressed because they feel like energetic leaks when I don't have control. Well, we have it upside down. That's actually not how it goes. The real control is in the surrender. Because you realize that in the surrender, you don't have control. And that in therein is, therein is, the real control. It's in the ability to surrender that you find the control, right? That the control is really just peace. That's what we're looking for when we say, I have control. I have peace. I feel calm. It's all under control. You don't know. You don't have control at all. You have control when you surrender. Yes. And, and, and when you're under, and when you're, and when you're needing to have this control, you have an attachment to the outcome, the outcome and how that needs to be. And so this creates more anxiety, more mm-hmm. perfection, more um, 
more uh, fantasy-like thing. Now, can we intentfully like get a big picture and think, oh, this is how I would like for it to be? But so you you can state that I would like for it to look like this. And then you just let it go. You let it go because you know what happens is humans don't think big enough. Another thing, right? Like we shoot ourselves in the foot by trying to control the outcome because what if, what if the outcome is far better, greater, and more beautiful than we could imagine? But in trying to control it, universe matches to that energy and gives us less than what we actually could have had if we just let go. Exactly. <laughs> yes. What yes. if it actually can be better than you ever imagined, but you limit it because universe just matches the frequency of energy that you're sending out. So you're like, I want a Ferrari. You got a Ferrari. Do you want a running one or you just want the matchbook car? Like universe doesn't know, right? But if you say to universe, universe, I would love a sports car that, that I can drive and live in. And you just create this magic with your, with your expectations. And then you let go and then let universe surprise you and delight you. And by the way, when I use universe, I mean God and it's all the same to me, right? So that's how it works. And we think I want a house on the beach. That'll make me happy. Well, you know, what? why don't you just say I'm open to all things abundant and I would really love to be on the beach because it helps me meditate and feel good about life, but I don't, you know, and I need it to be in this area for these things and then let it go. Like, but it's in the control. That's where the stress is. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even our, you know, even those who, who, who are professing that Jesus is their savior, he, he, even he said, don't worry about it. Right. And what is it? What's what's the common kind of like joke is like God laughs at our plans. Correct. The reason why I used to think, oh, God laughs at our plans because we're just so stupid, dumb human. No, God laughs at our plans because they could be so much better and we're not in on the joke. Exactly. <laughs> so I was like, you ding dongs, you know how great this could be? You silly gooses. You know, God's not looking down at us trying to, try, it's it's like we look at our own children, right? Like God looks at us, universe, God looks at us like, I love you. I want the best for you. Let me help you. It's the same as when I'm talking to my eight-year-old uh, or my 11-year-old. I love you. Let me help you, right? right? I want all the things for you. Yes, yes. And um, I'll add to that by by saying, you know, it is a vibration it is very important that that we do those checks on on our mental state on and our feeling state and um we can put out that state of wonder but i always say you know may i always be in the right place at the right time and may this decision that i'm making be for the greatest good of all yes including myself and my family right. and and um you know there's always going to be an obstacle along the way at some point, but please provide me with a way to address it in the best ability that I can, because I know that it's here to teach me something or just to present it's, 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 it's there to, um, to help me align to the highest part of who I am, the highest part of me, my Lord self, my highest self that I can receive. And so many of us also are so many humans don't believe they, they, um, they don't know how to receive. Like 
they grasp and grasp and grasp, but they don't always come to a place of receiving what's abundant and great for them. Because you have to surrender to receive. That's right. Everybody's so busy trying to be in control of whatever it is so that they can get the outcome they want. It always comes back to that. It's about control. You people have a hard time receiving because receiving means you have to surrender. Right. So I can, I can, I can, I can um, add like a really great story to this. Um, And this just really came out of nowhere. And I had no idea that this was going to happen. But um, my daughter had been living with us, um, with her, with my two grandkids, living out in my little tiny home. Long story short, we just got got to this place to where it was like, all right, they're here. I don't know how long they're going to be here for. It's okay. I don't mind that they're here. But perhaps there's something out there that would present itself. And lo and behold, when we stopped really like, fretting about where they're going to live and all this stuff. And she stopped that too. A house appeared and we got it at such an incredibly low price. Not only that, but there was, there was furniture in there. Um, There was clothes. Of course we didn't keep all that, but we bought this house way under market value. Not only that, but they gave us the car that was broken down in the garage. Wow. So not only did my daughter get a new home, but we got a new car for my son. All we had wow. to do was change the battery. What? Yes, that was it. Oh my gravy. Yes. And as if by magic. Yes. As because we're like, how are we gonna even a you know, even the car for my son? Or we like it was just uh, it was just magical what happened. Her home is on a cul-de-sac. Her neighbors are amazing. The kids are happy. We're happy. So it was almost like, you know, it would be, this is how I want to live my life in peace, ease, and grace and flow. How can this show up for us? Mm-hmm. And um, that's how it showed up for us. Cause we each needed our own little place to provide us with ease, grace, and flow and feeling at peace and no anxiety and have a place for my grandsons to, it was amazing. It was amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah, I have so many instances. I I call it just following the yes because everybody's like, "Well, how do you do? How do I how do I begin?" And I'm like, "Nobody ever eats an elephant in one sitting. You do it one bite at a time." And I I always use that analogy because it's elephants are so big and you're like, "I can't." Like it's too overwhelming. So people get stuck by the I can't and they just do nothing. They just get right. stuck. They're just stuck. stuck. You know, one of the things I do is get help people get unstuck and one of the most basic things I do is you just do one thing. So, yeah. So let's go into, I guess, um, let's start start doing some Akashic Record stuff. Let's take a moment and thank our sponsor, Meraki Tribe Collective, a social media platform where highly conscious entrepreneurs network, connect, and collaborate without censorship. Let's say you don't have a business, but you want to be an influencer. We have an amazing program for you. So all of you high vibe and peeps out there, go ahead, click the link in the show notes and join Meraki Tribe Collective. I love my listeners and I hope you love me too. Please consider supporting my podcast and efforts so I can continue to share valuable content with my audience. Click the listener support link in the show notes. Have a beautiful day. All right. Oh, yes. Yes. So let's go on with that. We solved life's problems. Now we're on to the fun part. I know. Let's talk. Yeah. We, we, we just went from science. Now we're going into spirituality. Woo. That's like the, uh, welcome to my world. Yeah. Because we are. There's spirituality. It's always like that. 
Yes. And spirits, uh, that's, that's the funny thing is when I try to point this out, I'm like, look, you know, science and spirituality, it's just two faces of the same coin. Oh, what? Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. I think we're, I think humans are given science so that we can wrap our heads around spirit. <laughs> right. Yeah. So let's start with, um, okay. So I gave you an Akashic record reading, um, Gosh, when did I give you a reading? Was I think it, it was like a year ago. Wasn't it? Um, it was before June because I was still only 51. It was our birthday. It was before our birthday. Yeah, I think I think it was in I want to say it was in May. I think it was towards was it May. I think it was in May of 2020. Okay. Was it, it wasn't this year. No, May no. 2021. Yes. Yes, May yeah, because we didn't start class till October 2020. Yeah, so it yeah. was it was yeah. So May 2021. Um I I just recently like this morning I wanted to tap into like your soul vibration rate which I feel, I feel has improved because now you're now you're really like desiring to like like it is it is I am going to live my divine soul blueprint in my daily life, like this is like, even in how it appears and comes to you in a financial reward, it is like, that's where you are. Like, like I can tell that you're, you, you've bumped up. Right. Yeah. Um, now I do recall, and I'm going to sit here and I'm going to say that, that, that you being truth, your divine individual truth is extremely important to you, but you also had a secondary place where, where how you voice so whatever you're voicing, your opinion um, and your truth is extremely important. And that's how you have to live your day, day in and day out. And then um, and then you you talking about these relationships where people want to just speak to you at all times. That's where your God spark is. So the God spark that's at your fourth chakra activates and makes your voice and your truth amplified, not only just for you, but it's for like on a big level. So whatever you're speaking will also ripple into a human like on a humanitarian level. But it's through relationship. So you were you having relationship not just with um with uh, romantic people or anything like that. It's just that there's a dear a great deal of healing energy through your voice through the truth that you can present out into the world. And so whatever you're speaking, it needs to be truthful, honest. And I know that you're also probably a natural channel. Uh, probably. I, I think that, um, yes, there are times when I say things, I'm like, what was that? Like, I don't, I didn't, that did, wasn't mine. That just came through me. Like, there's definitely times that I talk and I'm like, that was good. Did anybody write that down? Right. Yeah. That happens to me too. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know where that came from. Yeah. It just, uh, it's, it's because you, you know how to stay. So, so when your soul vibration level rises, that means that you are more aligned mm -hmm. to your, to your soul's expression, to the expression of who you are being a vessel for God because our body is just the temple and we express according to the divinity that we hold of what we know at that point is true. Yet we are receiving divine guidance. You're receiving divine guidance in such a way that 
there's no way that in your linear thought, you would be able to reach up and grab that. It's just, it's a boom. Oh, there it is. And you get to speak it immediately in the moment. And that's what I feel people need to really um, have a better understanding about. It's not as if you're sitting there thinking, well, I've got to figure all this stuff out on a world level, whatever. And it's not like that. It's just in the moment, wh- whoever's sitting in front of you at that point, you're able to be the vessel and the channel and give them the um, aid and healing voice and truth they need. So yeah, it's, for, it's for each person, right? It's very individualized. And yes. it'll happen in the moment when I'm with them. It's like I tune into the, it's, you know, if we go back to the basics of everything is energy, it's true. Right. And it's like, I just tune into their radio station. So they're walking around a country station. I'm like, oop, I turn it to the country channel. Okay, now I can hear you and speak your language. And so my, I'm a messenger, you know, it's like I can sense what they need and then give it back to them. Yes, yes. And that's your gift. That's your superpower. Yeah. And it's beautiful. And I'm sure that so many people walk away going, wow, that was pretty amazing. She <laughs> heard and you've been doing this since you were little. Little, yeah. Yeah, you've been doing this since you were little. One thing, okay, so let's see. I wrote down my stuff. If you need yeah, me. you wrote down your stuff. You were wondering about astral travel. So, so a couple, you said... Um, so my energy center was I always had to be in truth and that I'm a natural channel. Yep. Um, that So I want to give you some validations, a couple of things. Like my primary life lesson you said was boldness, having to stand in my own power. And that kept re-presenting uh, itself until I finally got it last year. I had a couple of things that happened that were super powerful, traumatic and, 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 and you may or may not notice a difference in me, but I finally learned that life lesson, that one of boldness of standing in my own power and being my own self-advocate. And I don't know why I was so terrified of doing it, but once I finally did it, I'll never not do it again. So that one um, is a validation for you because you were right on the money. A second validation to you is um, one of my lessons secondary is like appreciate and live in the moment or happiness. And so I'm always on to the next and I've had to teach myself to be present in the now and be happy, grateful, proud for the now, right? Instead of always looking ahead, 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 ahead. And so that's another validation for you. Um, Another, a third one was some type of timidity in relationship. So am I timid to get in relationship with someone? Um, And I think that often I am because, I don't know, I think I have a whole lot of set of expectations and then I'm worried they won't live up to it. So I just don't bother. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Uh, not to say that I have, I've been in multi, plenty of relationships and now I'm just sort of like, you know, is it even worth it? But you, you said that um, because there was um, so a soul special specialization was the majestic priesthood power of prayer to manifest um, a master of understanding energy and works and how it works in the universe and then confusion as to why love is here and why is it conditional? And I'm like, yeah, those are all very true. So those are all that I want to give you some validation to the fact that, you know, you're really good at what you do when you get in there and start looking at the Akashics, but back to what you were asking me about, you said, do you ever have any sleep issues? Because I see that you might have some trouble between the third and fourth dimension. And so my question to you was, for anybody who's listening, what does that mean? Um, 
Okay, so what that means is it's in your sleep state. So so you're not sleeping. It's not as uh, restful. Mm -hmm. So you so you could be waking up and not have not not feel as though you've had like the best night's sleep ever. So it's a matter in how you're transitioning from your body into these uh, other dream realms. Okay, um, if you were having a bigger issue, having let's say let's say because when we're sleeping, we're going into the dream state. We're in the astral realm. We're you are kind of like working and resting still. Some people can get paralyzed and know that they're like sleeping and they can't wake themselves up. So that's mm -hmm. a different thing. Do you feel like that happens to you? I don't think that Never. happens to you. Mm -mm. So, so yours is a matter of, yes, are you sleeping? Yes. Yes, you are sleeping. Could it be better? Could she sleep better? Or, I mean, how, how, how has your sleeping been since we've had our last? When I... um I have to do certain things. I have to have a routine for sleep. So my sleep routine has to be super clean. And what does that mean? I have to eat cleanly. I have to treat my vessel right. I have to exercise. I have to take a warm shower before I go to bed. I have to sip on some chamomile tea. Like I very much have to have a routine in place in order for my body, body the vessel to sleep well, in order to be able to travel from what you're, for me to get a good night's sleep, those things must happen. If any of those things don't happen, my sleep is easily disturbed. Yes. I want you to also add, um, I want you to check in with your chakras. So mm -hmm. when you're going to bed, I want you to start at the bottom chakra and I want you to just like think of them um, aligning and opening up balanced. I shouldn't say opening, but you, you definitely don't want them closed. You it's, it's an, it's putting forth the intention of them balancing. So the first chakra and you notice and just, and just go through and notice the colors of, of the root, which is the red and the orange and the yellow and all that, and it aligning and it being fully balanced. And if you're having a hard night, you can like a hard night, a hard time falling asleep. You can try to like think of them opening and aligning and then breathe into that. Notice the breathing and then see what happens there. So, so do all of those things, which is great because now you have a ritual. You have a nighttime ritual that you know in order to successfully have a good night's sleep during your astral travel, because we all astral travel when we're sleeping. Um, these are the things you have to do. So find your balance. So add add that chakra balance, and that can that that can be like a minute. I went into a manifesting blueprint. So this is how you best manifest. So this is you bringing stuff in, right? If it, let's say, let's say this, you're in a group of people, people are always looking for like their tribes, you know, mm -hmm. you can have a tribe of people, but you're celebrating your, your difference, how different you are, the diversity of that. Um, it's not disharmonizing. It's not a disharmony. It's are you um, noticing how you are unique and with your group and, and able to celebrate that? Because so many people, they will notice, they will notice how um, how different they are than people and make themselves wrong mm -hmm. for it. Right yeah. now, 
now I'm just looking at your seventh dimensional aspect of you. I'm not looking at how you're ap- actually a- operating at this point. Cause I can, I can see like the blueprint of, of, of what is best for you. And then you have your third dimensional aspect of how you carry out these actionable ways of being. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so if you can always celebrate how unique you are as well as, Hey, let me have an, uh, let me be more outcome driven as far as setting goals. So if you were to set a goal and be consistent, so, so that takes you being consistent at hitting that, at, at meeting that one thing every single day to, in order to hit that outcome, once you hit that outcome, I would suggest that you, um, celebrate that no matter how big or small the win is, you celebrate it. I'm bad at that. You're bad at what? Not celebrating? Yeah, I'm bad at, but that goes back to the piece that you, that I was giving you validation from reading the Akashics. Like I don't celebrate my wins, right? I'm like, okay, good, next. Okay, good, next. And I have really tried to work on that the last six months. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Celebrate the small wins along the way. Celebrate your wins, Katie. It keeps coming back to me. It, yes, it always comes back to you. And when you can celebrate the win and, and, you know, maybe that's like, Hey, I'm hearing like, take the day off, like, like allow yourself just to like have some self-care and not worry about that. I'm so bad at that. And it's not, it's really not, you know, especially now that we're doing this, now that I'm really have stepped into my purpose in life. And, um, you know, I, I, I say all the time, I won't die until I'm 120 years old. And I don't mean some decrepit old 120 year old lady. I mean, like kicking it. Okay. That'll be me. So I'll be doing this work a long damn time. And, um, I need to remind myself that I'm going to be here for a long time doing this work because I love it so much. I'm, my soul is so freaking excited that I finally decided to actually do this for a living every single day. Right. And so, um, you are reminding me that yes, it's fun and exciting, but stop and celebrate the small wins along the way, because that in and of itself is part of the process too, is what I hear you saying. Yes, yes. And and in saying that too, it gives you the opportunity because you are more of an internal person. So this gives you the opportunity to internalize. Yes, I am an internal person. Yeah. So so you 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 need to reflect on self and 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 be like, okay, is this feeling that I'm having, is it creating whether good, bad, and different? Because whatever whatever internal feeling you are having, it's going to project out into your environment. Mm-hmm. So this is where you have to like take take your time. Um, I would also suggest maybe not. Um, well, you you do though have have an ability to um, to just be like, okay, I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want that. That that is a gift. Yeah, I do. Okay, that is, some people might think, well, she's so negative by saying, I don't, I don't, I don't. But actually that works and works and works for you, Miss Katie P. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can, I, I'll, and I've gotten good at that. You're right. Like that, that's called following your intuition, right? But yeah. Yes, yes, yes. But, 
but at the end, I would say, I can't say, but, but, and, you know, and at the same time, you taking the time to internally reflect that and saying, okay, let me take inventory here. And how is it that I'm feeling? Cause whatever you are feeling will project out into the environment and that's what you see. So as long as you're, as long as you're reflecting inward and be like, okay, I'm at peace with this. Then, then, then when you're feeling at peace, then that's when the ease, grace and floor flow component will, will start to present itself and you can manifest easier. Yes. Being innovative with how you do that. And I'm going to say this too, you'll have to, okay, so ask yourself this, you know, there's a reactive part of it. Are you creating something or just keeping yourself busy? Oh no, I'm creating. Okay. So, so I don't, keep, I don't like busy work. Okay. Okay. So yeah. So, so stay in with, um, with that type of thing, like, like addressing. I, 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 I abhor people saying I'm just busy. Like it, I cannot stand wastes of time. Right. Right. So, so that's, and that's important for you to like, do that check-in. It's like, okay, am I just being busy and distracting myself? Or am I actually addressing any changes that I really need to me be within me in order to manifest this? That's, that's, that's what you do. Like, like, like some people will just be busy to, mm-hmm. and, but, but you, but for you, it's best that you are reactive to like, okay, something just happened here. It's mm-hmm. like something just happened here. Don't skirt around it. It's like, right. how can you just push forward and move? Okay. So that's part of how you tick. So um, those are questions. And so, and so it's good for you also to take inventory of what is it that you do need to let go of? What is no longer really serving you? And what is it that you really want to replace with this once you let it go? Or you just wait with it, you know, you release that and then you sit and you wait for it to come in. Because that's how you best manifest. Like there's some people who don't, who need to do that. They're just being, holding on to everything. But it actually serves you best to be like, yep, nope, done. Yep, nope, done. I agree. I, I Since I uh, unplugged from all of life, I call it, um, I've let so much go. Did a massive purge, spiritual, energetic purge over the last five years. And I operate at like an Ikea store these days. <laughs> That's awesome. That's very funny. minimalist. Oh my gosh. So I'm, I'm, I'm being, I'm, 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 for some reason I'm being, um, I'm being led to your morning routine. So what's your morning routine? Oh, I, everything is routine driven in my life. Um, like okay. my nighttime routine, right? Well, when I have the kids, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's, we're on, we're on a schedule. So I, my coffee set for the night before because I love my coffee and my cup of coffee. That's I, I, how I because I have to wake up at five thirty every morning to get get Ava up. So I wake up, the coffee's already done. I know it's out there. Turn on the lights, go get Ava. Um, wake her up, cook her breakfast, get her out the door. Now it's almost seven, and then I go get Willa up, get her ready, take her to school, come home. Now it's eight thirty. And so then I usually come back, get in front of the computer, or um, I go for a run or a walk. So I do, I try to do all of that before I jump into anything work that I love, because then I'll get sidetracked. And, and, and again, that goes back to my routine and taking care of my vessel. So I know that exercise has to be part of my day so that I can operate at the highest level. 
Because that's part and of your meditation, isn't it? When you're my moving meditation, yeah. your moving meditation. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's my meditative work is exercise. Yeah. People. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it waxes and wanes. Sometimes I only ever want to run right now. I'm in kind of a, I have a couple of hills in the neighborhood and now I'm just sort of this walk mood. And I used to, the old Katie used to force myself, you must run. It's what you have to do. Get your run in. And these days I, I've thrown all of that out the window and I'm like, I don't feel like running today. I just want to walk. There's a way for me to walk and still feel it in my muscles and still move and still feel active. I don't need to go pound my body for two, but there are some times where I'm like, no, I really just want to run. And again, that's being intuitively led for what I need at the moment. But yes, any type of, and it's outside. I hate an inside gym and I hate a treadmill. Although I have a treadmill in my garage, I am outside when I do all the things. Yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, well, you're connecting. I mean, that's where you're breathing in the fresh air and there's the bird, there's the tree, there's, you know, the pot. You look down and you see see a leaf shaped like a heart. You feel the sun peek out of the clouds. You smell the thing. You see a turtle. It's just, it's a way of really, really energetically connecting and grounding myself, you know. So what would you say your biggest Claire is? You know, Claire audience, Claire um, voyant, or just, you just have a knowing, a Claire cognance. Which one do you feel res- is uh, like the one that you just? I know I have clear audience because I hear, I can hear. I Since I was little, I used to hear like full on, like, like music, musical creations. And I'd be like, I wish I had like a recorder that I could plug into my ear because I would make a lot of money right now. I didn't know. I thought everybody had that. I was like, don't all people hear full on like music? They People don't hear that, by the way. I just thought that they did. So I've always had that. It's just a knowing. Yeah. I don't, is that yeah. It's in the moment. That's so funny. You brought you, 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 cause right before you said that I started thinking of music, mm-hmm. I'll get impressions from music lyrics. Like sometimes. Oh I'll, God. I'll, yeah. The music yeah. will talk to me. The song. Yeah. Will talk to me. <laughs> Big time. But I'll hear like, I can hear like music that's never been made before. Oh, like, wow. Are you a musician? Do you know how to? I played saxophone for seven years and and we used to have a keyboard piano in my house and I just sat down and could play it. But I think probably in a past life, I was a piano player at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And you want to know something? I know you and I, we both, um, we both share the same birthday, except you're, you know, I'm a year behind you, but we are both born at four o'clock in the afternoon. That is weird. I know you were born at four. What you 403, I think. 403. And I was born at uh, 416 a year later. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> you were my twin sister, girl. That is Gemini the twin on the same day at almost the same time. That's crazy. I know. And you were in, uh, well, you were in West Virginia, but I was in Charlotte, North Carolina, but we're still on the East Coast. We were in Appalachia. Yeah. Yeah. It's so nuts. So I think my Claire is, that's Claire Cognizant. I don't know the Claire's. Yeah. Okay. So um, clairvoyance is clear seeing, clear. uh, What is seeing? Like you see pictures, a thing that's going to happen? Yes. Yes. I don't see that. I don't have that. So then um, there's but like that. when Heather said, picture a bird, I'm like, I can totally picture the bird and hear him and all that stuff. But, but I don't see situations necessarily. And, and they do start to turn on though, after a while, like I, I know that I'm Claire Cognance and um, Claire audience too. 
Um, the clairvoyance, no. I mean, I do get it now, but now here recently, sometimes every now and then I'll get a whiff of a, a scent. Oh, me too. That's me um, too. And I'm like, whoa, like where'd that, and then, or a taste in my mouth. Um, but the scent would be more than anything else. And then you have, and then I do get feelings. Like I'll get a, like a little impression, especially in through my, um, through my solar plexus. Like if I'm, if I was doing, like when I start reading for people, sometimes I'll get a real strong, um, solar plexus, um, impression, like, like, like the impulse, you know, mm-hmm. in my gut. And, um, and I'm like, Whoa, okay. I need to bring forth this when I'm actually speaking to the people, um, or to this individual that this is what happened when I was asking this question. So da, 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 I think we need to really, um, talk about that. Now, when I was looking at your, when I was looking at your manifesting blueprint, I didn't have that happen, but you know, I didn't, um, I was just looking at the whole entire, um, blueprint and how you operate. And so I felt like that would be a better, um, help to you to say that. Um, now typically how a manifesting blueprint analysis works is, um, I have your, I, I have your blueprint, and then I look at how you're actually operating in that on day to day. And then I, yeah. and then I compare to see if you're actually working in alignment with what your blueprint says, or you're out of it. And then I would say, okay, um, look at this area. And then I give you a set of questions like, are you doing this? Are you doing that? And then you have to ask yourself, am I doing this? And then you shift back in to align to that. So I had a question for you. Yeah. When you talk about, so I've, I've seen this and I don't know a lot about it, but what does it, what does it mean when someone says like the God spark? So one of the things you said to me was you have, it's how we receive our vital energy. You were telling me. Um, And then you have, you said you have your God spark at the heart, but what does it mean if they're at different places? Like I'm yours curious. would never, yours will not go to any place. So, so yours is but like other people's so, are like, that's, yeah, yeah. So it would go, it would get, be either it's in the higher sh- uh, chakra system. Um, so those God sparks would come to assist and they, uh, they help to assist your, your um, main um, gifts, which would be for truth and speaking. Um, this is helping you reach people um, at a, you know, yes, yes, it's individual, but it will also be done on a larger scale in relationship to. So, so it's in these relationship things where people will hear the truth that you're speaking because you're channeling it to them. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's usually in these, this, this back and forth. Yeah. And it could be like a lot of people or it could be a crowd. Yes. And, and so, your soul has said, yes, she, she, this, this woman's ready for this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your soul has, has, has said, yes, she's ready to help people at a, you know, because Much it's, it's activated. Soul. It is now yeah. activated where there's some that's like, okay, you have a potential to do it mm-hmm. when you choose to do so. And you just saying yes to your intuition was probably just the ticket that said, okay, let's turn that on. Well, I, it's funny you say that because I have, on I have been asked and answered I am but but a, but a vessel I surrender whatever it is I'm ready I have said that multiple times not even realizing that I was being asked but when you say it like that I'm like oh 
I felt compelled to answer because I have been, I guess everybody's checking back in with me. Are you sure you're ready? And I'm like, yep, I'm ready. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. And what happens is it's, 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 um, it's from what you speak brings forth the healing. Yeah. It brings, forth yeah, that's, the that's, that's, that's why I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> Literally is yes. the only reason why I'm here. And yeah. I know that to be true now. Like, that's why I became disenchanted. If we go back to the, one of the questions you asked me, which was what was, what happened? And I said, I was no longer directly helping people the way that I knew that I was supposed to be. I didn't even know what that meant at the time. I do now, but then I just, I knew I was missing, missing it. Yes. Yes. And what I'm going to say is that, is that we all have this duality. So you were, you were, um, you were extremely successful in the shadow aspect of the gift of what you had, because you were still, um, networking with people, you were giving them information. This was around right. healing and that kind yeah. of thing. So yes, yes, you've been in it, but it wasn't the cherry on top. It wasn't to the magnitude to fulfill the gift to its highest potential. Right. Okay. So yes, you've always been doing it, but there's something much greater. And when you surrender to that, it's, it's showing up now. So, right. so you knew that, yeah, okay, I'm helping people, I'm doing this, but there's more. Yeah, well, right, I, I kept on saying, this can't be it, this isn't it, there's some, it's it's off, you know, it's like, you're just like, no, this doesn't, this isn't, this isn't, the puzzle, the last piece is not fitting, and when what's, you know, what was the hardest thing is that then you have to blow up, I had to blow up my whole life, not everybody has to do that, by the way. right. It's that everyone does not have to do that. You do not have to do that. It's just what I did, but I don't recommend it. If if you can at all not do that, don't. It's not fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so funny that you brought you said you said blow up your life because this morning because I'm noticing now when I'm coming out of my when I'm awakening when I'm awakening in the morning I'm receiving intuitive information. Yes, okay? I do. Too. First thing I know that this is because we're so relaxed and we're more open to receive it. We've yes. just been in the heavens. We've just been like in this state of just there. And so this morning, for some reason, like, okay, my biggest vice, because I don't watch television, but when I do watch television, I like watching the housewives. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like, I like watching some of those. And so, um, uh, I thought of, um, Brawen from the Orange County um, housewife. housewife, right? So I'm, for some reason, she, stu- she, she jumped into my head and I, and I, and I was thinking of her and I was like, oh yeah, I think, I think she's come out of the closet because I know she was, I feel like she was having, you know, um, tendencies and she was struggling with that. That's probably why she was drinking so much was because I don't know if you watch it, but, but anyway, long story short, I don't follow her on anything. I don't follow her on Instagram, nothing. But this morning I actually opened up my Instagram account and lo and behold, there she was on my for you type of like thing. And I was like, huh? And I pushed it and she says, yeah, this last year has been amazing. I came out as a gay mom. I'm single. And now I live in New York. And now I live in New York. And I was like, what? Wow. And I just like, oh my goodness. And this is someone who 
you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I have no judgment on her at that at all. But right. then I got curious and I started looking at her Instagram account and obviously her husband or ex-husband, they, they're still co-parenting the, together. It looks like he's, I, I, I would say to, I, I think he's kind of like a saint and how he's very, um, obviously they've grown up together. Like they've been good together since they were teenagers. Yeah. And so I feel like that would be a really hard um, relationship to kind of like tear apart. Yeah. But she even said, I blew up my life. Yeah. She said, I had to blow up my life to get to this point. And, um, and that's one thing that I would hope that people would really take into consideration on, on their next steps, because we do start awakening to a truth, a higher truth. And then our loved ones are left in the wake of our decision-making and yeah, how are they in the, and they're left with, how do I fit into this now? And so she had to actually fit him. It looks like maybe she had to fit him into um, her new truth because she had because she had to speak her truth and be like, "I love women. I want to be with women." I guess, and he's still accepting of that, and they're still co- co-parenting together. And it looks like he's just had to like kind of like, "I love you enough to just let you be," which is that's, the ultimate form of love, right? Which is the ultimate form of unconditional love, and that's yeah. really a a love that we each seek to find in the other person. Yeah. One of my things is, is that I had to, um, you know, my daughters really are a a priority, my priority other than myself, they're my other priority. And, you know, I can't teach my daughters to fly if I indeed don't fly myself. You know, we model what we, what we, what we say, you know, it's actions that speak, not words. So I can say, girls, go out there, do it, live your best life, be truthful to yourself. And then I stay home cowardly, miserable. No. Right. Just not, that's not me. I didn't sign up this lifetime to be like that. So um, for me, that was the way that it worked, but it doesn't have to be that way. Awakening doesn't have to be a blowing up of your life. It's just how it worked out for me. Right. But it doesn't have to be like that. Right, right. Yes, and that's the message. That was the message too. And so, um, but you know, it looks like you found your footing, you're you're confident in what you're doing and you, you're you bold in what you're doing now. And, you know, seriously. Yeah, so yeah. So one, one of the things um, I wanted to mention, you brought it up, which was everything is energy. That's, I'm actually, and I, you and I talked about this and I really want to, incorporate you somehow into this retreat that I'm having at the very end of April. I've come up with some dates and I know I want to talk more to you about that because sort of where you, your ideas of, of, of life and how everything sort of fits together is, is a lot like what I believe that everything is energy and we have sort of energy houses. This isn't about chakras, but it's just about how, you know, how, what we say to ourselves really drives how we live, how our lives, what the outcomes are, right? What our life is going to be like based on our choices. And that is really about the energy that we allow or willingly put into our bodies and how we can work on that. And so I know you have some things that you're working on. Um, yes. And partner with you. Yes. And when you just broke you, when you just brought that up, I got a massive in, um, impulse in my solar plexus. So yeah. that's a good thing for you to, uh, for us to like, even look at even for you. And so however that's going to unfold. Yeah. We got to look at that. Where can people find you? So people can find me at askkdp.com. I'm on Facebook at askkdp, Instagram, askkdp. 
you want to email me, katie at askkdp.com. Awesome. And um, if you had any wise words to present and give to the listeners today, what would that be? We cannot do it alone. And we are not meant to do it alone. And I feel like, you know, women especially have gotten to this place of aloneness. A lot of us just feel so alone. I did before I really started aligning with my truth. And I think so many women, I know the women that I work with right now that are my clients, um, they, that's a recurring theme I keep running up against. They're like, I've done all the things, I've checked all the boxes. Is this all there is? And, and people feel so siloed. Women feel so siloed. You know, with COVID didn't help silo us more, but people in this world of information where we're all just like getting in a car, driving to work, doing the deal, going home, running the kids and going to bed, the sense of community is getting lost more and more and more and more. And so uh, my message is really like, you know, let's let's start creating community. That's why part of the retreat, I really think people are ready to get back around each other because the amount of information that we can share just by being in one another's presence is invaluable. And not only that, but we aren't meant to do it alone. Nobody is. Nobody is meant to live life alone ask for help, be ready to give help and receive help and find joy in that because that is where the living is, right? That's the thing. Everybody thinks there's some big secret and there's no secret. We're missing connection. We're missing community with one another. That's what we're missing. Yeah, absolutely. We sure are. And when we, and boy, do we ever suffer for that when we don't. We do. And I, and people, we don't realize it because we are in this information world where everything is at our fingertips on this little teeny tiny computer, but human beings are social energetic creatures. Mm -hmm. And we're missing out on that because we are, we are created to receive energy, you know, through our energetic receptors that live in our body right now, we're all just made of energy and a hard computer in our hand or on our desk is not a sufficient substitute. And then we wonder why we're missing out. We're missing out because our vessels, our bodies were created to exchange energy and we're not getting it. And so we are not meant to do it alone. You got to reach out. You got to find your tribe. You got to, you got to connect and you got to ask for help and you got to receive it with grace. Beautiful. Awesome. I love that. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for tuning in today. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, please visit my website at inthewooworld.com or go to anchor FM forward slash wooworld and click the message button. If you have a burning desire to have an Akashic Record session with me, schedule your free consultation with me today at windywoointuitive.com. You can find that link in the show notes. And until next time, May you be blessed and pass every test. Doo!